Hello and broadcasting from the beautiful central coast of California. It's the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. Back at it. The goth kids from South Park. Life is pain. Life is only pain. Life has been only pain. Oh, yeah, crap. What are urban mates again? Are they just energy drinks? No, no, they're actually. I think it's a cat. And hello, welcome back to the Dr. Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward, after a fucking minute. Sorry, yeah. it's been hectic over here in the Dr. Danger fucking camp. But I'm sure if you read the Comcast special from last time, you kind of got an idea. But we're now here to actually talk about some of that fucking hectic shit. But before I go on ranting, do you have anything you want to say? How's your um, day? The only things that I find notable that I learned about my, well, that have happened in the last few weeks is a couple things. Um, I found out about eight or nine days ago that my mom's got to have a surgery on Tuesday. Oof. Yeah, that was they were. Yeah, she went in and they were just like, Oh, yeah, you need surgery. She's like, Shit. And they're like, Can you get in literally? Well, not next week, but you know, less than two weeks at that point. And she was like, Oh, uh, okay. And so that's uh, let me uh, been talk fun. to work. That's yeah, that's been fun dealing with that. Uh, the only the only other two things I found out is one turns out your boy uh likes to gamble. You? Yeah. What do you mean you like to gamble? Well, so a couple. Did you hit up a casino? Well, so a couple years ago, long story short, a couple years ago, I took my mom to Shumash Casino for her mother's day. No, for her birthday, a couple like three years ago. Got a taste for it. Didn't go back until like this year. We went for, for Mother's, day. mother's Day, and I was like, huh damn i'm kinda i'm kinda and i've been back about uh three times since what yeah damn all right i've have you been winning or losing i've or have you been in the middle i've won more than i've i've won more than i thought i would but i've lost more than i wanted yeah okay well are you still above the pleasure are you above the pleasure is to play makes no difference what you say you know i'm born to lose and gambling's for full. T- I've lost a bit of money, but I'm. Uh, but so that, but like, I'm, I'm. I'm not. Has it been you know, money that you've made and yeah, lost? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, it's not, not like, like what you've made and lost, where you've like gone. Yeah, past no, what yeah, you've no, made. yeah, no. Exactly. It's I've I've been I've been doing smart about it. And then the only other thing that's been going on is I've been on a real uh, kill switch engage kick because kill switch engage rules. Oh yeah, no. So fucking me. Uh, well, one. <laughs> I don't know if I've like ranted about this in past episodes, but I've been working on a freaking video project or mostly been organizing it for my death metal band. So for one of that, I had to go down to grab good friend Bone Steel and freaking uh, help him be a stooge for his music video. And by a stooge, I mostly walk around and capture all backstage stuff and take pictures and most of the time try to take killer ass pictures that he usually uses. I'm like, see that new like promo pic? That was fucking me. What up? Number one stooge. Fuck you. I'm the stooge kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it was that. But freaking, I also took my older laptop, my old 
laptop that was made in 2009, so 11-year-old laptop, yeah. and my solid-state hard drive, which has a lot of all my audio stuff. And we're supposed to upload this episode that we are doing today since friggin' my shit got fucking jacked. Yeah. If you ask me, yes, I was just dumb in a freaking underground parking lot at my a good friend Bone Steel's freaking apartment facility, which does have security roaming around. Freaking, I left my car unlocked, just chilling. But I guess some fool was just wandering in there and he was just like, oh, sweet, I found something and took my shit. He took my laptop, which also had my hard drive. He took my pay stubs, which because he thought they were checks. But when I looked at them, it's like, oh, no, these are just notices to tell you what's been deposited. And then he also took my freaking uh, this weird my federal student refund check and freaking uh, my gum, my KN95 mask and my baller fucking overalls that my girlfriend got me. The gum is the real tragedy here. I yeah, that know. was a fucking real tragedy, which that fucking sucked. Yeah. But I was there to help out good for a boat sale, and it's like, I know I'll recover. And I was just, like, sitting there trying to make sure, like, change out stuff. A little change out, like, some passwords or whatever. Kind of was, like, stressed, like, well, what the fuck do I do? It's like, oh, you can put in a police report, but it's like, dude, they're not going to fucking do shit. <laughs> Let's be yeah. real here. Like, I could figure that out. I was like, I could tell you more on about that. But whatever, I eventually was able to get my uh, student refund check canceled. And basically, I got that all processed up to get me a new one. So he ain't cashing that in the pay stubs. I thought it might have, like, some, like, information that could, like, leak out, like, some account information. But no, he's just staring at numbers. That's good. Yeah, no, so he didn't score on that. But friggin' later in the week... I found out, since he's using my laptop, he was trying to access my PayPal and shit. Oh, really? So I literally spent a whole day trying to fucking have a freaking cyber fist fight with this motherfucker. <laughs> but luckily, nothing, like, happened. Like, he tried to use, like, a third-party service by PayPal to transfer money, but since it looked sketch, they canceled it on him. And then, forget one moment, he was able to switch out passwords <clears> on <throat> me, but I was able to switch out on him, and then I turned on two-step verification. I know, great security I've set up over here. I don't know. But this guy was going, trying. he was trying so hard to steal from me. So hard. It's like, dude, you already jacked my old-ass laptop, which... Might not be monetarily like worth much of anything since it's eleven years old. Dude, but. I know this is a serious situation, but I didn't know about that PayPal shit, and I'm just like, bro, my boy was like in cyber warfare. Dude, I fucking was, <laughs> and I was hovering that like, shit do we, for like, a do minute, we hacking shit like in like yeah. in shows and stuff. He's like, he kept on trying to use my emails, but I think I was able to block him out and switch around everything. Like I did go through all the fucking security steps. That was a fucking nightmare. And that was a stress and stuff. And then the fucking day of the video, friggin', well, the video was just a long day. Like, very basically, like, setting up and eventually gathering everyone and grabbing a quick meal. Like, the whole video itself was, like, we started that shit around, like, 8 to 9 and didn't really get that done till 1230 at midnight. He means eight nine in the morning. By the way, no, 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 no. I meant like the vid, the actual ones. Oh, were oh, okay, my yeah, bad. no, no, no. But it was still like three to four hours of just fucking constant playing. Yeah, and this isn't where like well, constant playing. It's like I stop, review everything, make sure it sounds good and stuff. And I friggin' had to hop back on the kit cold, which that was on the drum kit cold. Which holy fuck, that was hard, but. I think the video is going to turn out cool. Then after that, this is the only time I could have good friends. They're not going to fucking listen to this. And I don't know if anyone cares. There's nothing going to incriminate them. They didn't say anything too horrible. Just no. like some 
stuff just like they would like openly admit in normal conversations so yeah whatever the good friends dylan and bone steel which i'm not gonna tell you which one they went by which name and stuff too which they also made me had to fucking edit every time we like slipped up and accidentally said one of their names or oh i bet you love that there was one i fucked up there was one where <laughs> there was like one slip from one of the person's names but i'm like we'll see if they even care it's like a very short slip and freaking, uh, yeah, no, but we did that too in the fucking morning. That was very tiring, but Great. it was one of those things like, if we don't do it now, it might never happen. Yeah. And like the whole thing itself fucking sucked to do. Like listening back, it turned out fine. Like the stories like hold their weight and value, but like the energy was just death in the room. And luckily one of the edits where I first did like the edit where we like paused and then we just restarted again. If we accidentally slipped up, eventually it would just continue on. I just had to like t- write down timestamps where to friggin' um like edit out the like when we accidentally slipped on the names and stuff. But where the fuck I was going? Oh yeah, this fucking one one of the good friends. I'll I'm gonna bury him. Was like we're like. 20 to almost 30 minutes in and he's like hey can we wrap this up we've only went 20 30 minutes fuck you this is a podcast we gotta go like i wanted to go at least an hour past but we eventually just wrapped down at 55 the energy was low and i guess the story's kind of like halted i didn't have like good like the main host edward over here to help feed off but it was just a hectic day and i guess he was busy with stuff too yeah it th- yeah things had come up that i didn't expect and i had to deal with that at home and you know what life's been hectic but we're past that hopefully yeah. we're getting back to normal ish yeah well uh the only thing i can say to that i haven't listened i have a chance to listen to the podcast yet but it sounds like our good old friends have been a cup bunch or a bunch of beta cucks. And uh, for all the shit that especially good friend bone steel, like lumps on us, uh, it's not, you know, he, he, he sucks at podcasting, which is funny. And uh, Dylan is, well, they're not us. They're like 50 some odd episodes in. This is going to be episode 51. Although- this would have been originally 50, but I got fucking jacked. Fuck you, you motherfucker in I was, Costa Mesa. I was like, I find that like I was able to track the laptop and I try to call the cops, but it's like, well, the crime was in Orange County. You need to contact them. Oh, and my then maybe God. you can get the de- a detective and then you can meet cops in like Costa Mesa. But I'm like, I'm fucking 20, 200 miles away. I can't do shit. You guys are useless pieces of shit. Fuck you. This says a lot about our society. I know. Fuck. Why can't I have like hood ass friends that I could call and go beat up his ass or something? I think Jake's the closest one. That yeah, would be considered like, a hood. He who, a very a very tall pale. No, he's white my closest boy. friend that could maybe go there and do something. But I don't know if yeah. he's gonna run in the Starbucks with a fucking baseball bat. Bruh, to jack my shit back. Bruh, he pussy. He ain't gonna do that. He doesn't have a car. It's like what? Yeah. Is, like what? Is he just gonna take the laptop? And just he can't roll up on a Busta. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I was bummed that last episode wasn't going to be episode 50 because, uh, well, what I mean is I'm, I'm bummed we lost that episode because it was a pretty good episode. Plus, it was the Slayer New Metal album, so. Which we get to retalk again about. Like, don't yeah. worry, like, I remember Ish for the most part. It's hilarious, too. Yeah. Because I showed the youngsters in my death metal band like the fucking Slayer <laughs> New Metal album, and they like it more than the normal Slayer. Oh, my God. Of course they do. I know. it was. But is that ironic, though, or are they just, or are they, or are they just memeing? I have a feeling it's like truth and memeing. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know how much they really like enter into Slayer. They're youngsters. 
I think they mostly got. I feel like Oscar light. They I got Oscar through. Light it's there. like basically they got into more extreme music through like waves of pop punk or new metal death deathcore kind of thing. Oh, okay. Unlike me, which I was listening to older music, I got into more extreme music through much fucking Metallica. Yeah, dude. Metal, metal. Oh, it's so funny to yeah, fuck bro. with like good Fred Dylan. I just like. Just to say that he is. Oh yeah, so we, yeah. Ever since ever since we reviewed um, Decline of Western Civilization two, and you had we had the uh, metal dude, they, metal. Yeah, because they they had the fucking eighties Heshers on. They were just like fucking metal dude. So metal, every time, so I always uh, every time I see him, I go up to Dylan and do that. But I when I throw up the horns, I don't. I throw up the thumb too, like I'm like I'm Gene like, Simmons in yeah. nineteen seventy seven. And he's like, and no, he's, that's not how you throw up the fucking devil like, horn. It's like these are the fucking horns. He looks so serious. It's one of the only times he shows like emotion. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, fuck you, metal's lame. So metal, <laughs> fucking metal, dude. metal, dude. I yeah. just like having an excuse to say it. It's funny. But yeah, no. Well, after the fucking video shoot, I only get six hours of sleep because the next day, fucking me and my singer, good friend Oscar, had to go all the way up to San Jose to go to a fucking huge show. Rock and roll. What'd you see? Uh, the real bass shit, bro. Oh shit. Yeah, it was this fat like hardcore show. It was like in this, in, like it was. At this parking lot between these two, <laughs> like at these like between these like two warehouses, like over like over two thousand. It people. wasn't in the warehouses; it was in the parking lot yes. between the warehouses. Yeah, and it was like over two thousand people showed up. It was a big show. That's funny. Yeah, not funny. That's cool. Yeah, no real base shit. Like, dude, it's being fucking talked about everywhere. It's like, yeah, I was there. Did you see someone as cool as uh, as the big thick boy from the L.A. punk show that was getting high off those helium balloons? Well, there was a that dude. Had no there neck. was a dude that was roaming around that had a fucking nos set up, like getting oh the balloons God. and shit. He's he's stealing your idea. I uh, fucking well, yeah. I'm just sitting there. It's like, hmm. I don't know how much they would allow that, but friggin' like it was kind of a fucking party. It was there was like there wasn't too much rules. It was like total kickback. People bringing cases of beer and stuff and just going ham. I just don't give a fuck about the authority. Like if you want to talk about thick, dude, fucking Zabalba. That band is thick. Like I think I walked. Oh, about- Zabalba was there. I know Zabalba. Dude, it was a huge show. Basically, you had the fucking Bay Area. guys rule. Yeah, you had the Bay Area, like, friggin' upstarts right now. Like, the hardcore bands that people give a fuck about. Gulch, Drain, Tsunami, and then you had Zabalba playing. Fuck, And yeah. then you had this one band that was just kind of like, you know, pretty, like, clean-sounding, like, basic metallic hardcore band. Maya over, Maya over Eyes and stuff. I don't think I heard And then one them. cool, like, hardcore punk band called Scowl, which friggin'... Yeah, no. It was, sounds familiar. I didn't. I don't think I heard about the other one though. The one about the eyes. Yeah, yeah I don't think I heard that. It one. was all right. Like they're all right and stuff too. Like Lop, dude. Like literally, like people were so stoked for this show. Like, dude, they started like right before like scowl play. They like threw on some mad ball and power trip, and there was already like a pit going. Like a dude had a bloody face, and no, none of the bands played. I was like. Oh, damn, bro. Calm the fuck down. Bro, the power of power trip. Yeah, I know. And, like, I was able to, like, climb up on the fucking dumpsters and shit that was, like, right near to, like, sit up and just kind of, like, kind of, like, this weird dumpster, like, outing, kind of hang out. But eventually, pe- a bunch of people started coming up there. I was like, yo, fuck this. Either this is going to crash through. <laughs> and it didn't crash through. Spoiler yeah. alert. But I'm just sitting there. I was like, all right, this is just getting congested. People just jacking my idea. Yeah, Well, man. there was, like, two people up there, but I was the first one ballsy enough to just go boop, 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 and up and over. I was like, all right. To set up a good spot to chill, watch the bands. But yeah, no. Yeah, Gold Strain, Tsunami, friggin'. Yeah, no. It was a huge fucking show. It was like, it was a fun show, too. But yeah, no, friggin'. 
Yeah, it was like, had to do that after the video, and I forget, I'm just stoked that this weekend's chilling as fuck, well, after this podcast, I gotta go play a flick, well, gotta go to run through work and do, like, some janit- quick janitorial shit, hopefully, and then I have to go run and go play a show, and then I can chill the fuck out. I know, I got I'm just asking for a weekend where I could chill and not do shit. I know, I know how you feel, man, I got a really busy week, uh, after this I gotta go home, and then I'm gonna play Mass Effect. Oh, fuck! Fuck, Which bro. got re-released on the PS4. Oh, and then I'm gonna play uh my Ma- play Minecraft with my uh hentai co-host. Oh yeah, by the way, I have Minecraft now. She was like, Ed, you should get Minecraft. Uh-oh. I'm like, why would I ever get Minecraft? Dude, all the fucking but death she eventually metal- she eventually whittled me down. Dude, all like, the death metal homies have a Minecraft oh play Minecraft. God. Like, no, I think like my singer Oscar, one of his birthdays, he just hosted a Minecraft server with the I, homies and just I built, did whatever. I built a dank ass like big dark oak cabin like in the woods and i but i built it but i built but there was this big tree there but i didn't want to like cut down the tree so i built the house around the tree and i made a fucking skylight and then on one side of the house i made like a big fat waterfall pool but then on the other side of the house i made a big fat lava pool that's pretty dank and then fucking Moira, that's my friend. She good friend she, Moira. She spent. She spawned. Every like, friend is called good friend. Yeah, good friend Moira spawned like last time I played with her. She spawned like eighty fucking chickens in my house. Oh, what an ass! How dare I just made a sick dark oak fucking cabin, and then you just like dump a bunch of chickens. No, in I know. I'm serious. I was going to get more lava. Bruh. And then I come back and I'm like, Moira, what the? Why is there 80 chickens in my fucking house? And, she, and she's just laughing her ass off. Bruh. <laughs> but yeah, Minecraft. Bruh. Don't get me wrong. I suck. Oh, I, the only reason I play is because she's played forever and she has an ass load of resources. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> yeah, no, freaking. Yeah, for me, it's like what I had down. Like, dude, yesterday, I try not to do shit. Like, obviously, I had to freaking load up the fucking van, which, like, like, good friend Dylan and I were supposed to do that, but I do that. He, like, comes like, all right, I'm in town, but, like, I gotta go to dinner with my mom, so can we, like, do this quick? It's like, <laughs> you're fucking useless. <laughs> like, we get, like, hey, every fucking time, hey, you want help to, like, load up? Yes. I never get help. Something happens. <laughs> and it's like, well, I've been... Why I was so funny. <laughs> like I gotta clean out the fucking van and shit, and like I gotta do that, which that took a fucking hour. Just that between that and then 50, 50 minutes into a podcast, hey, can we wrap this up? I know we're fucking diva. Oh, I said I know it's to help you move, but can we do this quick? Yeah, he was like, no, I still like I could have maybe <laughs> if you asked me, I could have done shit earlier. It's like, dude, fuck you. I just want a day where I didn't do shit. Oh, that's I just want to do nothing. Like I just literally was just found out like you could find free episodes uh, of Gundam like actually buy the peeps themselves up on YouTube. Oh yeah, kill. they got the whole original, that's how I watched it, they got the whole original series up so there. So I'm just like sitting there watching fucking 2010's fucking Ch- fucking Gundam, uh, the Char and Amuro bro, the original anime hate boner. Yeah, yeah, see I'm just watching the fucking like the Gundam like freaking plastic model fighter shit since that's just easy to watch. <laughs> I'm like I don't want to get too much no war fucking motions and stuff, I just want like these nerds that no like. No blood orphans? I just want these fucking nerds just get all hyped out about fucking building their models and fighting against each other. Just give me easy tournament fighters. This is probably stuff. the wrong time to bring this up because we're sort of on a time constraint, but like it, 
isn't didn't wasn't Gundam like Wing the one that like everyone used to love, but now everyone like kind of hates now? Yeah, I think. Well, here's the thing: Gundam Wing was one of the first, was like maybe the first Gundam, one of the, like that weird anime like boom of like early two thousand, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Basically, Gundam Wing was like one of the first ones shown on fucking Toonami, and that's one that people got oh, into. Because I feel like I remember that's the one I remember watching. And like the freaking maybe the writing and like the story could be whatevs if you think in hindsight. But fuck that, the music's sick as fuck, and like <laughs> the characters are awesome, and like the fucking Gundams like models themselves are sick. It's a fine show. There's worse ones, and like Wing is not that bad. Like, is does does Wing feel dated? Sure, yeah, but like I think Gundam, but Zax. <laughs> it's a fun yeah. Zaxxon the hero hate boner is like Zax Zax yeah cause I think Gundam Seed's like another one where it's like I think that one's a little more consistently liked than Gundam See, like, Wing Gundam Seed is good and it's a I would say it's a little bit better than Gundam Wing but dude Gundam Seed's just a fucking rip off of the original one and that's what everyone almost says almost to the fucking T it's like <laughs> it, it's fucking bad says. bro it literally is just like fuck dude did you just like Hey, can I copy your homework, but let me change it up a bit? That's literally what fucking Gundam Seed is. And then they do Gundam Seed Destiny, which is like a little bit more. It, well, it is original, but like yeah. Gundam Seed itself was just a fucking ripoff of the very first like Gundam series. Like to the fucking T, like same thing. Okay, Renegade fucking teenagers in this one ship being chased by fucking like whatever these Nazi like friggin' peeps and stuff too. And like there's only one good Gundam that's like fighting off everyone and stuff too. It's. The same. It's basically the same story, except there's more Gundams and more characters. That's cool. But yeah, but like it looks cool. It literally was just like the first series. Like if you watch it both, like Gundam has a thing where it's like, hey, let's have like a young hero pilots this giant robot, yeah. and then there's the mysterious blonde dude that wears a fucking silver mask. <laughs> hey man, like, Char was Char and fucking like bro, Char's like he Char's a great villain. Yeah, well Char. It's hard to say that Char is a villain, well, per se. Yeah, because he's not really a villain. Because like he worked with the Xeon forces, but like literally he turned against them. Yeah, because he's like had a royal family. He had a, like a royal pacifist family. Yeah, I know. Fucking Zex and Lorena, like Lorena, Lorena and Lorena. Ugh. Yeah, but yeah, but you know what Zex didn't do? He didn't pull a Char, and Char shot someone in the face with a rocket launcher. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, Char did. Dude, there's a lot with Char, bro. You gotta realize because <laughs> it's not just the first series funny, Gundam. Char is basically a Darth Vader clone. His helmet's the exact same Here's shape. Thing, yeah, but fucking like, well, dude, the fucking Xeon forces were supposed to be like fucking Nazi Germany, so... Yeah, and so were the Stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah, but basically, fuck it. Well, Char had more development because he's not in the first series. He's in yeah. the second series in Zeta Gundam, like under another alias, but it's like, okay, we know you're Char, bro. Like, yeah, you're bro. not fooling us. <laughs> I don't know if he was in Double Z, but Double Z is a comedic mess. Like, it's fine to watch oh if you're like Z's, forgiving. Double Z's hilarious. Yeah, but it's just a fucking bass where it just goes away from like, oh yeah, all the dark themes and stuff. Hey, remember freaking a giant colony just being dropped on the fucking earth, killing millions of people and like Zeta? That it, was that show. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, you get a fucking intense thing with that. You know, Zeta was pretty fucking hard. Yeah, Zeta was cool. But freaking, uh, yeah, no, but like double Z, it's like. A little bit more archaic and stuff, too. But I think there's, like, obviously, like, I think it's, like, I'm not going to try to remember. I just remember there's this one crazy, like, total 80s lady that was just always just whacked out of her fucking mind in that, like, series. That's great. 
But and then fucking then then there's the movie like freaking Char's counter attack where it's like yeah. oh he's back. There's a lot with Char. Char is just a lot. Char was cool. Char was in two or three series and then the the movie's named after. And him, then there so wasn't like, there a fucking Char clone in Unicorn. I'm not rewatching Unicorn. That 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 was a very long fucking shit to watch. That's like seven hours. Do to people watch. like Unicorn? Yes, I think. I think. I think. Well, the fucking model, like the the models are sick. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think there was a char. There's been a char clone in like for every. No, but I think literally this, it was every, a literal char clone in every unicorn. How about this for literally? And I'm pretty sure this is accurate. For every Gundam show that doesn't have a char, the next one has a char. To some so, degree. So yeah, I don't know the weird one with the fucking mustache Gundam or the one with the Gundam with the fucking Gundam X where like it was able to shoot a cannon from the moon and stuff. <laughs> I haven't watched that, but I don't know if there's a fucking char clone in there, but yeah, I remember, bro. I remember when Blood Orphans came out, you had a lot of, I guess, newer Was there a char in Blood Orphans? I don't remember, but I was going to say- No, Blood Orphans felt very original, though. I was going to say, when that, came, when that show came out, I remember a lot of, I think, newer Gundam fans, or maybe older, were talking like, oh, this is sick. This is the darkest Gundam. Gundam's never been this dark. But then- I'm but like, then I don't just know. Like, Gundam's been pretty but, fucking dark. But I was going to say, that I, I, I literally- yeah, there was I teenage saw people, sex and fucking seed, bro. Like, that was <laughs> controversial. <laughs> I told people, Under I was like, did you- sex. Well, okay, I don't know why I'm even trying to make a funny out of that. That's not, I, I don't know. I, that's something I, was, I don't want to be watching in my Gundam. I was like, gonna, it wasn't explicit, but it was a very It implied. was there. It was there. I say, I, but, you know, people were like, did you literally, like, never see the original Gundam? Like, Gundam's always been dark. Not, I, I, I literally saw one guy, I think it was on, like, a Gundam subreddit. He was literally like, not every Gundam was wing. Bruh. <laughs> Fucking... There's a lot of Gundam. It's a very intimidating. I think I counted. There's like 30 different shows at least. Yeah. It might be closer to 50. Please be gentle with me. There's a lot of Gundam. <laughs> like, yeah, I've watched a lot of Gundam. Like, Double O was sick. Like, it kind of was in the same concept as Wing. Yeah. But I think a little bit better. And, like, the technology aspect was a and little then, bit and cooler. Then, and then you got to count its spiritual precursor, which the original uh, Gundam was made by the same guy. It was called Space Runway Adeon, I think it was called. That came out, like, before the first Gundam, which was a similar concept, except it was way more brutal. I'm trying to remember. I think Wing got popular first, and then the second most popular was, like, Gundam G, the fucking, like, national... Gundam G. Yeah, like, the, the fucking national freaking tournament fighter. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Was, the, was that the one where it was, like, the, the teams would fight, and then there was the robot that was, like, the winner is the Blitz team and stuff? No, no, no. I remember watching no, no, an no. anime about, that, like, that on... Tsunami, and I can never remember where it's from. I don't remember Blitz teams. It was literally <laughs> like each nation had their own prize fighter, and they all would like uh, okay. basically but was for there political like robot supremacy. Referees? Were there like robot referees? I don't remember robot referees. Nah, okay, never mind. The free what was it, that fucking show? Whatever. Gundam G's good. It still was kind of dark because there's still like like you still like war themes are going on and stuff too. Yeah. Like as I said, like the friggin' like the friggin' Gundam Build Fighters. I'm just watching that because like you know what, this is just easy. It's lighthearted. It's just a bunch of nerds just going ham. Yeah. With their plastic models and stuff. Friggin' bruh. Should we get into the meat? Yes. By getting the meat, you need to go grab your phone. So yeah, we're gonna take a pause break, but we will be back, listeners, to redo everything. Most likely in bad, short fashion, but it'll be, we won't stop. It'll be better than the Comcast. We're gonna let the fucker jack my shit. No, it'll well, be better than the Comcast. It'll be less awkward than the Comcast. All right, okay. 
We're back. All right, guys. What? So this is basically going to be the Dr. Death Danger lightning round because uh, we've got an album and two shows to get through. And my boy's got to go to work here in uh, an hour and 14 minutes. Oh, I just need to bounce out. Like, I think I could arrive there at a good time, but I want to <clears> arrive there at a good time because they put extra shit I got to do. Yeah. Like, instead of just like, oh, here's the usual thing. It's like, oh, hey, no. Can you go like COVID spray these places? It's like. I guess I have to. And we it, shit. We made some good time. To, we we didn't take too long talking about our personal lives that much. But the problem is we started talking about Gundam. So, uh, and I could talk about Gundam and like I and me cringing at the local weebs that like. Yeah, he asked me. He was like, "So what? You, you you're down with weeb culture in this area? Where they are they watching like, Gundam?" I'm like, "Nah, not really. I mean, they know what Gundam is and respect it, but um, bro, they're not even watching Evangelion. They're just what? No, you're like Mech- the big, Mech- you're like the Mech biggest, anime, like, you're Mech, like the biggest Evangelion boy. Mech anime, it just seems to be an acquired taste. Uh, what? Oh, dude, these weebs. <laughs> Bruh. They're, not, they're not cool weebs. Bruh. I don't think anyone have even watched Trigun. Well, okay, Trigun is like a freaking adult swim like back yeah, in like late 2000s when we were chilling and watching that stuff. You know, but. it was also great, and this didn't come out in the 2000s, but uh, so we listened to this Slayer record. Um, the Wikipedia tout, touted this as new metal and groove metal, not even thrash metal. Uh, to summarize our thoughts on it, I mean, we'll still do the track by track thing, but not as, you know, in depth. Basically, our thoughts on this when we watched it, when we listened to this was yeah, because... Yeah, listen watch. We can watch riffs in our ears. <laughs> yeah, we watch music and we hear movies. No, so basically what we said is if you... when I, I said when I listened to this record, there were times hearing it where you know they try to do the weird new metal groove metal thing and it's got its weird sloppy tone i told james i said honestly a lot of times it just felt like a hardcore record yes it sounded like it because because like it would start off slow but then it would just go bullshit stupid fast like which slayer, hard, like, like which hardcore does which slayer does yeah it literally was like we're hearing hardcore like there's only a couple songs that really go new metal yeah but since it's like slayer and has a harder edge at times <clears> it just sound like the metallic hardcore of the I time feel like period when people talk about slayer they always focus on the fact that they influence thrash metal bands and then death metal bands but hardcore and punk guys too but hardcore guys like slayer too yeah because Slayer's like, hey great like, ever, oh that's what i said you guys ever listen to hate breed this kind of sounded like hate breed yeah sometimes. it's like is it sometimes sometimes it sounds like hate breed sometimes it sounds like slipknot yeah uh, all right tell me the first song it was called bitter peace uh i remember i started hearing it and i started uh laughing and just because I was like, I was like, I was thinking to myself, did I put in Machine Head? But no, um, it was like I said, production was kind of murky and stuff. It was produced by Rick Rubin, but this is before he started doing his yeah, like, no, like 11 decibel bullshit. Like some people might think the production's weird and raw and maybe a little noisy, but at the same time, it's like, it's not bad. Yeah. Like, it sounds fine. Sorry, it doesn't sound like super big and beefy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fucking Slayer. Come on. They've always had bare bone production. They really have. Let's be fucking real here. But yeah, it was an all right song. The fast part sounded a little bit like a hardcore band, but it still felt like Slayer. Song two was called Death's Head. Yeah. I have an opinion. Sorry, 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 I forgot. It literally was a Slayer open. Imagine like it <laughs> like it started off slow and grooving. Okay, but once it started going fast, it's like it's just Slayer open. What do you suspect? 
Yeah. If you got a generic Slayer's fast saw, this is what you got, bro. Didn't you say it's not be what's not like get what's not lie to ourselves? Didn't you say it last time? Every, except for like South of Heaven, every Slayer song kind of starts off like this, a little slower mid pace, but then it like eventually Slayer goes album. fast. Yeah, like it feels like every Slayer album starts off just fucking speed. Yeah. Unless like Disciple do, like doesn't start off like that. Hey, I'm not a Slayer expert. I haven't listened to all Slayer albums. Yeah. Like Disciple is, it gets like fast, fast at the end, but it's mostly mid paced ish. Mid paced grooving. Yeah. Whatever. Next song. Number Dosis. Death's Head. Uh, song started, and as I said here in my notes, it just started because keep in mind I like new metal, but it's it's weird to hear new metal come out of Slayer. Um, but I, I thought this song was uh, was catchy. It had some of that like traditional like Slayer guitar work for a post chorus. Oh, I laughed during the bridge because they did that one new metal thing with the guitar. It's like yeah, like the Destinant chords or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, um, oh yeah, then there was like a weird part with like this weird bass interlude, and I was like, Tom, please stop. Tom, stop. And then I felt uh, two minutes in, uh, they changed it up to me. It felt like a. Uh, Pantera song and a highlight for this album I've, I have to point out is Tom Morella doing like 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 new metal vocal cheese is amazing like when he does like the whisper stuff or when he does the weird spoken word yeah, stuff. how do they fucking do that like you, you like doesn't fucking Kerry King just feel like I don't know how this happened it kind of just did yeah that was that's what he said because they interviewed him I think it was when they were doing that like metal through the years documentary thing on like uh, VH1 and he literally said he was like, "Yeah, honestly, I." He said, "I didn't. I don't really remember the production of that album. Uh, I just remember being pissed off at what music was popular at the time, and uh, yeah, I wasn't really paying attention. That albums are turbo, and I was like, "Fuck you, turbo's good." Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I just wrote down for like song number two. This is a fucking Slipknot song. Let's not lie to ourselves. <laughs> it felt pretty Slipknot. Like, it, or basically, if you ask me, what's Slipknot? I don't know. I guess they try to fucking do new metal mixed with extreme metal. Yeah. And I guess Slayer did it first. I guess sort of ish. Number three like, was all the fir- all Slipknot's like first album kind of sound like this one song. These next two songs, two and three. Oh, fucking song three. This was the hot single, Stain of Mind. I this song came on and I said, "Holy shit, this is Roots." This song sounded just like Roots, Bloody Roots. That's pretty much all I had to say about it. Uh, it was kind of it's. It, I gotta say, hearing Tom Araya do the new metal like aggro rap, like added years on. I don't know my, if it's like aggro rap or just Tom Araya fast speaking. Cause I just know that 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 this song added some years to my life because I was like, this this is it's it's completely ridiculous. I love it. Yeah, no, it was. I just wrote down total new metal bounce, bro. And what's funny, I play this song for the like the youngsters of my death metal band, and like, yeah, my like freaking thrashy guitar player like totally cringe, but the youngsters like, you know, what? I can get behind this. I'm like a fucking. Course. I think it was the bridge. These are, the, uh, these are like the youngsters that are like, I'm not the biggest. Well, one's not the biggest fan of Slayer. One, I feel like just maybe haven't listened to too much Slayer. Yeah. Like, these are, like, youngsters, like, they'll fucking surf and tell me every fucking random, like, underground gore grind band on the, under the fucking sun, but they haven't, like, listened to Sepultura or Slayer. Yeah, because they're mainstream. I was gore grind mainstream. Not gore grind, but Sepultura and Slayer. Whatever. Well, no, because at that point, they're making a conscious effort to avoid them. Yeah, but they don't understand that they're classics, maybe True. in time. 
Um, but yeah, oh yeah, and also like the bridge where it was like, this is what you see deep inside of me. I'm like, <laughs> you bet, Tom. Song four was called Overt Enemy. Uh, I thought the song started out like a corn song, but it had some cool chugs. And uh, they put this weird like vocal, they put this weird, like they layered this weird effect on Tom Mariah's voice. But yeah, it was just more Max Cavalera shit. That's what I said. <laughs> Yeah, I just wrote down, I guess this was a hard groover when it started things off, but then it like picks up in speed, so yeah. Song five was Perversions of Pain, and I, remember I wrote down here, ooh, big word. Uh, I, I felt I felt when I listened to it, the song was a little boring. The double bass was nice, but the song kind of just like, you know, felt like filler, kind of just a song, you know? I just wrote it down that this sounds like some band trying to rip off, season, trying to rip off Seasons of the Abyss. I was I was about to say I was like, but they wrote that, but I remembered I I I figured out what you meant by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Six, yeah, they wrote seasons in the abyss, but I guess they tried to go down that well again, and they yeah. kind of like didn't do good. Fuck it, I'll just say fail. I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling too kind. Song six was love to hate. Musically, this was the one. The, this one was like the most corn sounding, in my opinion. At least you know, at this point, though, I admit I was. I, I guess the album just like shit took a shit to me because I was finding things to like nitpick because i wrote here at one point man i am really not uh, vibing with the sound of these kick pedals there's no oomph it feel it feels like he's just like flipping pancakes or something yeah i think i just wrote down six is like dude this is kind of just filler seven's called desire uh the opening reminded me of a bird song which was kind of cool but then i don't know other than that nothing popped out of me tom did a i feel like tom if i remember right tom did some like weird clean singing on this one yeah see i I just wrote down like there's like a rad hardcore mid-paced riff with soft vocals but then there's like the south of heaven shtick going on so yeah i don't know sounds like slayer trying to rip off slayer but go new metal it's weird song eight was called in the name of god this song started and again it was i just laughed again just because it was like you know blatant um at you know current era at the time new metal uh bridge was cool uh there's one vocal section i can't remember what it was but it was all right um yeah it was all right it was all right it was a song it was all right i think i wrote down that was this sorry i'm like getting a time stamp yeah basically a slipknotish song that's eight right yeah okay song nine was called scrum and i was bummed out because when i saw that come on i was like wait did that say scum but no slayer did not cover napalm death no the song started off whatever but then like in between the weird opening and like the actual like slayer sounding parts and throughout this song sporadically carrie or jeff decided it would be a good idea to throw a phaser effect on their guitar and Slayer with a phaser does not sound right to me. <laughs> I think I wrote down it's a fast Slayer song, but kind of like a Slayer knockoff. Yeah. So, it's like <laughs> Tens called Scream from the Sky. It started and it just fucking. This was the song. This song sounded just like Thorn in Your Eye, the old theme song to Raw is War. <laughs> like, I remember thinking <laughs> that when I heard this, and I was just like. All right, tonight on Monday Night Raw, yeah, we got yeah. Kane versus in a handicap match versus oh fuck whatever Road Dog and fucking Billy ass, Gunn. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Ass, what an ass versus the Road Dog and Billy uh, and Billy Ass, Billy Ass, <laughs> Billy Gun, <laughs> and your main event we got the Undertaker taking on. 
I almost said Mr. Kennedy. What the dude, fuck is wrong with me? Dude, Billy Gunn almost okayed with him going by the nickname Billy Bitch Cakes. It's okay. <laughs> like, his wife stepped in and it's like, no, can you please not? Billy Bitch There's Cakes. There's things that you do and it's not good. <laughs> Mr. Asps, like, that's not good. But Billy Bitch Cakes, now you're just going too far. Please, could Billy, you imagine? Stop. Could you imagine? Get the, help. Could you imagine the theme song switch up instead of I'm an ass man? It'd be like, I'm a bitch cake. Yeah, bitch cake. <laughs> Billy Bitch Cakes. So yeah, Thorn in Your Eye was track 10. Had a nice guitar solo, I think. Oh, uh, what did I wrote? To, wait, this is uh, number 10. Oh. Yeah, another groovy boy. Bad Slayer song, but I say it's a good B-level hardcore song. Uh, song 11 was called Point, which is funny because at this point I found myself asking, what was the point of this record? After the... Uh, I don't know. Work. <laughs> they needed something to tour on and something to promote. It was like seven years between this and like uh, Divine Retribution came out. There was a big gap between this and the album before it. Maybe they didn't need to worry about making an album, but sometimes you have to make an album so that you can get yourself back out on the road. It helps uh, easy promote. It's something that promotes. But yeah, this song had a heavy intro, and then the song for the rest of it just kind of sounded like your typical Slayer song. So I thought the uh, album ended on a pretty uh, okay note. The only other thing I've noticed is I remember thinking it was funny. I was reading the Wikipedia page, and it felt the need to point out that most of the songs were in C-sharp, and the lyrical themes explored included religion, sex, cultural deviance, death, insanity, war, and homicide. And I thought to myself... Bro, that's every fucking Slayer record. Yeah, bro. Seriously. Maybe not the sex, but because I think one of these songs was about masturbation. I think one of these songs was was vaguely about masturbation, but don't quote me on that. No, it's not. I just wrote down 11. Song 11 was a subpar Slayer song, but it would be killer if it was any other band. Yeah. How dare Slayer wrote so much good songs that they have a high standard to follow? I mean, bro, their first, like, five albums are pretty great. Yeah, they could stand the test of time. Oh, yeah, they can. And it's like, I have a feeling they will stand the test of time. That's just classics. And I mean, like, sure, no one's really... Obviously, this is no classics, but, no. like, you can only do so much. And yeah. going through Iced Earth, Iced Earth didn't, didn't really get good till they start ripping off other bands. Because there's a point where I feel like bands... So the yeah, last, like, two and a half albums. Like, when they're, there's, like, a point where bands, like, they have influences and they kind of able to make their own sound, but then they start trying to push that one sound they've made. Yeah. But literally, I feel like bands feel fresh when they start go back to basics where there's, like, listen to bands that what made them kind of want to make music. So it's like when they're back to ripping off other bands. Well, yeah. That's when it's, like, feels fresh. That's why Megadeth goes back to their roots every other album. It happens every time. Not, it, it, no, it happens every time. First, he drops a record like Rust in Peace, and then he starts going a little more commercial. It lasts like, for a like, bit. Well, so, he, well Countdown he, to Extinction did do very, very oh, well. Yeah. It would have debuted with number one, but except for, except for fucking Billy Ray Cyrus. You know the story behind that, right? Oh, Symphony God. Of Symphony what did the Billy Sym Ray's mullet do? No, because Symphony of Destruction was most likely going to debut at number one on the charts because it debuted at number two. But unfortunately, that same fucking year, Billy Ray Cyrus decided to drop don't tear apart my achy breaky heart i was like god damn it miley cyrus's dad but yeah then he does the commercial for thing for reals a while. bro dude get <laughs> murked by that mullet right well did billy ray cyrus ever do anything else notable no! 
if you, I don't, I, I don't care what country marks try to tell me. As far as I'm concerned, the guy's a one-hit wonder. Maybe two or five, but Achy Breaky Heart's his biggest one. And then he splooched out a kid that like became a Achy Breaky Heart was a conspiracy theory by the record company to keep metal down. Man, but yeah, then Mustaine goes oh, commercial. No. I have a feeling metal, like I don't know, metal war. Metal keeps itself down. <laughs> Let's be real here. But yeah, then Dave goes commercial for a while. Then he comes back with a United Abominations and Endgame. But then what does he do after that? He does Thirteen and Super Collider. But then he comes back with Dystopia, which won him a Grammy finally. Damn. So there you go. Yeah. Look at that. Well, then. That's why Metallica went back to their roots with Death Magnetic. That's why Slayer went well, back to their roots with World Painted Blood. Well, I feel like, well, one, because like Metallica went with Rick Rubin, I think he pushed for like a little <clears throat> bit more like old school metal Metallica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like, well, then there's like whatever fucking, what was the one I- Anthrax I'm, is kind of one of the only ones that actually like expands their sound and people are okay with it. I mean, sure, maybe a I lot like of people, folks, but the, I think that's the thing where they're like anthrax, like like people ignore anthrax. They kind of do. Yeah, but anthrax is music like, was cool when it came anthrax out. Anthrax is one of the funnest bands to see live. Oh, they are. That's man. always like a party. It is. All right, let's get fucking into dark fo- side of football. Yeah, I know. Playing with pain. I'm I'm a little bummed we have to rush through it because this was this was probably. The uh, it sucks because this episode kind of got uh, murked by its wrestling competition this week. But this was probably the best uh, football episode, I would say. The Raiders I, one was really good, but this one was really interesting. And I don't know how the Browns one is. I watched it a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I, how dark is the Browns? I sucking? fucking love the idea, the fact that the uh, episode is literally named "Why Can't the Browns Win." <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched it. I watched Dynamite Kid, and that one's really awesome. Ooh. But save that for the next cast. Next cast. All right, Doug Slater Football. We have an intro, basically the peeps just going on, the crazy nonsense some dudes did to play through the pain, and one guy's saying he was able to play, he was playing games just full-on blacked out. Yes. Uh, So this episode focuses on a couple people, uh, sort of like past episodes. Uh, One of the first ones it focuses on is uh, Kyle Turley. Uh, so you know after um, so after they you know have the roll call of everyone talking about some of their various injuries and stuff Kyle Turley comes on he says uh, the idea was you took the injuries kind of with honor he recalled what it was like when he uh, there was a time where he felt like and I think it turned it up being he had a shattered knee and the coach came up to him said uh, came up to him and then he lied to the coach about the pain but uh, but they implied that the coach was aware of it and uh, things really get neat when they have Mike Ditka on. Yeah, old we, school song. Yeah, we meet the legend Mike Ditka. Like you see his face everywhere. You think of the Bears, the Bears, the you, Bears. You think of this like this friggin' and round, dude, this, this round chubby mustache. This face. guy had some cold steel blue eyes. Like this looked like a man that uh, the Bears. <laughs> he's an intense old man. Um. Then they, uh, then they, <clears throat> then they, they, they bring on a bunch of uh, the other guys that are going to be on this, um, um, because uh, Mike Dicka talks about playing in pain. Then they bring up guys like you know they bring up Randy Grimes, uh, Dwell Jackson shows up, uh, Tony Callius, I think his name is. Like yeah, we just got Ross like him. Yeah, oh, we and got, uh, Anthony Munoz, your boy Anthony Munoz. Uh, then they mentioned how the focus, um, <clears throat> see. I thought this episode was going to focus on the front line because after the roll call, they're like, uh, 
you know, they talk about the front linemen yeah, for they, a while. They basically talk about linemen and how they're the mostly the one, high chance of ones just like now getting I injured only, and playing through the pain. Now, I only played they're two, big and beefy and they're punching each now other. Now, I only played two years of football, but I was a lineman and uh, man, that shit is, uh, you know, unstoppable force, movable object that that shit hits, you know. So they take a bit to exp- they take a while to explain the mentality of these players. You know, it's, it's a combination of a bunch of things. Don't want to let anyone down. Can't be weak. They talk about uh, how when you learn, you know, the 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 gimmick of when you're young and the coaches tell you, you know, big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. cry. See, some might call it like nowadays folks might call that toxic masculinity or maybe competitiveness. I think it's a mixture of the two because as, yeah. as we get on later in this episode, one of the main th- things was they stress is a fear of losing their spot. So I think it's a mixture of both because the idea is, hey, it's a bunch of big, strong alpha jocks who make a lot of money and they want to keep making a lot of money. So they'll do whatever it takes to, quote unquote, this is not my and, actual and if they like, And if they like step down, someone possibly better can take their spot and yes. they might lose it. So like, and like the NFL, their NFL careers are only so long. So yes. And the idea is, and this is not my personal opinion, but their idea is they'll do whatever it takes to not look like a bitch so they can keep making money. So then Eugene Lockhart on, he said he once played, uh, was it three quarters with a broken Fabia? And like out of his nine year career. So basically, yeah, yeah, Eugene Lockhart played with a broken fibula for three years. And this wasn't in this episode, but last episode uh, we talked about fucking Tony Romo. Not Tony Romo. um, Romanowski. Yes. I don't know why he started talking about Tony Romo. No, I'm sorry. Romanowski, who said said he, he had 20 like doctored concussions and those like those were just the ones that they caught so you know that was a thing too then he said um eugene lockhart says he's he literally says they just like taped it up and he went back out to the field uh, a guy named alex played a game with a torn rotor cuff i thought that was your homeboy munoz sorry uh yeah alex munoz played the game with a torn rotator cuff and his coach this was so funny his coach told him well you can't injure it more than it more it's already torn so then he just iced it and then he went back on the field yeah you could still work with a torn rotator cuff but it's like you can't be throwing That's shit. suck though right I don't know. It's like, I think once you tear a rotator cuff, you don't feel as much pain. It's just you don't have much of mo- your mobility and your like arm just isn't as much anymore. I see. Yeah. So then Jackson's on, talks about uh, going to school with Kyle Turley. Describes him as a mean son of a bitch to play against. Kyle recalls when his agent... Uh, then, you know, jumps a bit. Kyle talks about when his agent called him, telling him he was going to play for the Saints. And he was like, oh, sick. I get to play for Ditka. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, which I guess Duka played on the Saints for yeah, a minute. for a bit. Yeah, no, I said, I'm like, oh, he's the man when you think of the Bears. But <laughs> I guess he was part of the Saints. <laughs> that doesn't sound as good. Yeah, no. Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, Ditka speaks highly of Kyle's skills. And so now the documentary focuses on Kyle for a bit. Folks talking about him like a living meme. Uh, and also Dicka trying to play, trying to get another Super Bowl ring uh, when they work together. Kyle says basically he was scared of losing his spot. Like I said, more talk about from the guys talking about the mindset and the pride that comes to playing with pain. Um, you know, things like contracts, losing the spots and whatever. 
So Turley gets an ass load, an ass load of concussions. He's injured head to toe, but he's still playing and he still goes on to become apparently the fourth most paid lineman at the league during his tenure. Which damn fucking killer. Pretty sick. Then Kyle's wife comes on. She said she knew she said she knew football, but until she started dating Kyle, she didn't really realize just how fucking hard those lineman guys get hit. Yeah, because she would see how wrecked her fucking wrecked freaking luscious locks Kyle Turley would be coming home. Yeah, oh my luscious, god. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they show footage. I think they sh- it's a little later. Like, we meet Kyle and he's bald. And last time we were joking, Brazzers, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and another guy later, but yeah. yeah, they show some footage of Kyle from like back when he was playing with his long flowing mane. Dude, it's perfect. His long, his long blonde hair flowing in the wind. It was magnificent. He looked like Val Holland from those old uh, Dexter's Lab cartoons. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. Like, oh my god. Um. So now Doctor Thomas Gill is on Patriots Doctor. He remembered the first time he met Bill Parcell, and basically Bill Parcells threatened him. He says, "All right, first things first. I don't like doctors, and I never want my guys missing a game for a hand or a foot injury." That's an oof. I'll say that. Whoa. He well, ta- <laughs> when we did Bill Belichick, we did meet Bill Parcells, and yeah, he kind of comes They up. talked about him for like five minutes, but they they made sure to paint him out as a bit of a dick. Yeah. I don't like doctors, and I want my dudes playing. So do your job to make sure they stay out So there. do your job by not doing your job. That's basically what he said. Yes. So he, take, so he talks a little about the doctor's role, like the old role, like the idea behind it. As one guy said... Though the doctors back then were basically a mechanic. He just tuned up the guys. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you imagine you get a, you know, you, you kind of get in a thing with your car and like some of the insides are messed up, but you take it to a mechanic to do like surface level fixes. So the car is still like able to move, but there's still that teeny tiny bit of permanent damage. That was the doctors. Yes. So, yeah, that was the idea. Get him out there ASAP. They also have to deal with team owners and coaches stressing them out because doctors got to worry about the players not, you know, dying on the field. But coaches want them to play so they can win games. And the owners of the team want them to play so they can keep making money. Yes. So they keep talking. They talk about Turley's back injury and it gets him cut. Yeah, where like he like wrecked his back and like, but it was a misdiagnosis. Yeah, can't remember if his back was better or worse than what was like. I think it was. I think this was, was a diagnosis sim- worse or better than it actually was. That's the thing. Yeah, I I'm, think if I remember, I think the diagnosis was a little worse than it actually ended up being. But by the time he got everything situated, uh, he got cut. And they bring this up later, but I'm gonna bring it up now, just you know. Because it fits in well. They specifically mention the reason why a lot of players nowadays are worried about their spot is because that's how Tom Brady became Tom Brady. Yeah. They like talk about, yeah, because like one player got injured and then California cool Tom Brady became the oh goat. God, I fucking hate that. The pinnacle of California, California cool. cool. What does that mean? Oh my. Are we, are we California cool? Maybe. <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, then another guy talk. Another guy makes this comment about how he feels like you know the coaches, the doctors. They kind of play with the dreams of these players, and then um, you know because the NFL is like so popular these days and stuff with all social media, like the individual aspect of the team is lost, and now it feels like this one weird like uh, conglomerate issue. 
Then the next segment focuses on a guy named Delvin Bro. Uh, he recalls the third day of training camp and he felt a pain in his knee and his trainer was like, well, let's get an x-ray because he had been uh, saying it felt broken and yeah, it was broken. His coat, this was so fucked up. His coach, Sean Payton was like, he would like decry him. Is that the word? Well, he would slander him in like news things and he was basically telling people, Nah, he's a bitch. Fuck him. He just doesn't want to practice. <laughs> and then it's found out, dude, I have a broken fucking leg. And you're just sitting there. It's like, oh, you're a bitch. You can't. Oh, you don't want to show up to practice with a broken leg. It's like this guy. And then this next shit is like something out of fucking Dallas with J.R. Ewing. Sean Payton goes up to this guy while he's like in the, uh, uh, I, I guess in the uh, training room or whatever. And he basically tells him. Uh, so I'm trading you <laughs> and cool dude. And Delvin's like, what the fuck? And then he's like threatening him as he's trading him and still like saying that his injuries like all bullshit and stuff. And I'm just like, dude, this, this Sean guy sounds like the absolute worst. Yeah. Why the fuck would you want to be on your team? So they yeah, c- trade me, bro. I want to get the fuck <laughs> away from you. The narrator even says, and like I said this last time, you can tell the way they wrote this line for the narrator that it was meant to be like dark, cynical sarcasm, but he didn't like deliver it right. I think because the line is Delvin bro is a cautionary tale to just suck it up and play. So you hear that and you see the scenario and obviously you're like, okay, this is clearly meant to criticize Sean Payton, but the way he said it, it did not sound that way to me. Yeah. Good job, narrator. This narrator. I said this last time, but like half my issues with the show is this fucking narrator. Was well, a narrator just fucking goofy the shit? pinnacle of California cool. Pinnacle. I know he didn't write that, but still. Oh, and, oh, and then... um. Then the documentary gets into the self-medication aspect. This is when shit gets, f- I was going to say funny, but it, it it just gets whack. Yeah. They basically talk about Randy Grimes. Yes. As he talks about, yeah, like in the fucking facility, there is an open drugs, like literally the drug safe was just an open door policy where we could just an go open in. open drug safe. Yeah. Where we could just go in and out and grab what we want slash need or like want need. Pills, Oxycontin, Percocets, a bunch of other hella shit. Hard, I don't remember the names. Hella too. hard fucking painkillers that gets you fucked up or helps you fucking block out the pay so you could go play fucking Sunday fucking football. He eventually he says he eventually started just taking handfuls of the shit a day. And like I think this is Randy Grimes that said this. He could be exaggerating, grain of salt. But this dude, I think at one point said something to the effect of, yeah, I was taking like 30 pills a day. Yes. Randy Grimes talking about taking 30 pills a day and he was playing games in complete blackouts sometimes. Yeah, that was, that was gnarly because he starts talking. He's like, so the idea was, you know, you're numbed up the day of the game. Then you get home, you're still fine. But then the next day, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're a broken mess. But then he said he remembered there was like a period of like getting to the game, playing the game and then getting home, which is just a, a like pure blackout. And I was sitting here like, that's like six or seven hours, bro. Yeah, that's what the fuck. Yeah, no, that's a fucking decent amount of time. This Randy Grimes dude is just fucking going hard. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Next is quarterback uh, Jim McMahon on. This dude was a rock star. Yeah, Jim McMahon was a rock star, and he played for the Bears. The Bears. I was like, yeah, like the 85 Bears. Like, I think, was that like peak Bears? I think so. Whatever. Freaking Jim McMahon's total rock star, fucking drip bro, all that stuff. <laughs> he had some drip to him. He's bald. So you could call him Brazzers bro. Him and Kyle were kind of looking like Brazzers bros. Well, Kyle had like the Brazzers bro like dome shape, but he was just more tubbier. So he's like a Brazzers bro let himself go. He (laughs) decided to become Ron Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) That hurts Ron Jeremy and Brazzers bro did a fusion dance. So God damn it. You're right. But yeah, Jim McMahon, he's cool. Uh, He basically talks about he was the same as anyone else. You know, he had uh, took pills and stuff. Um, talks about so basically, if I remember right, didn't the Raiders like completely shrek his kidneys in a game? Like they tackled him, he got tackled and like a kidney ruptured. See, like is that Jim McMahon? No, oh, yeah, that's fucking Jim yeah, McMahon. Okay, okay. Let me get on my notes because we meet Jim McMahon talk about playing through pain for the '85 the Bears, the Bears, and Jim McMahon. He was a total party boy. Yeah, and then Jim then like says that almost he almost died during a game once. Yeah, it's like he said he broke his hand one time, and then six weeks later he injured his kidney in a life threatening injury where he almost lost his kidney. Like. Half his kidney like disappeared oh, out of. This is so fucking. And then whack. like sitting and like the doctor's like, we gotta take this kidney out. And he like literally said like, well, the NFL won't allow me to play if I don't have both my kidneys. So no, no, I'm, keep, I'm keeping my kidney. He just told them no. Yeah, and like, <laughs> what were they gonna do? He said no, and miraculously his kidney healed. I was yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what kind of John Cena genetics is this? Yeah, fuck, bro, that's fucking insane. Oh my god, I just, I that's so fucking, there's like, hey, we literally need to remove your kidney, this shit's ruptured. Nah. No. And then it gets better. Yeah. That's funny. I'm like, well, that was a good move. Then they talk about, then uh, the players talk about getting these, like, these shots, these, we're talking big, huge needles. Yeah, they talk about getting pain shots. Usually getting something called Tortorol. Yeah, Tortorol. Yeah, tor- yeah, Tortorol or whatever. It was basically anti-inflammatory, which basically reduced, like, freaking swelling and stuff, too. So, so it made can, it so, like, literally, it could, like, okay, I could feel like I can work on this fucking The idea is limb. so you can play with a broken body. Yes. <sighs> they briefly touch on the death of uh, Reggie White and how the league uh, came under uh, scrutiny for it for a bit. Um, then they talk a bit how uh, addictions kind of you know start for these guys. The wife of um, uh, the wife of uh, was it Glover's wife that came on next? Well, if I'm not like ah uh, fuck. Well, here's the thing. Oh, I don't know why I'm at Jake the Snake now. I got <laughs> no, my notes do that all the time. Sometimes I'll like the screen will shift or whatever. Then I'll just jump up and notes. That's why sometimes an older podcast. Here's the thing. I it's like yeah, I'm like to scroll up. Well, because like my bullet point goes from no, like now talks of pain shots. Totorol go was the go to for anti-inflammatory. Then the roll call of drug dependence dependency okay, after so like constant area. use. Where basically after like, well, if you take thirty fucking pills a day and you stop. Your body's going to realize, yo, I've been taking this so much. I kind of need this for fucking like for the neurons and stuff, too. And they get pretty fucked up where now they have to constantly use that. Well, someone's wife was on. She remembered how her uh, her husband's last year. She remembers seeing how much pain he was in and how he hit it. Eugene Lockhart talks about how the addictions take a toll on, you know, uh, marriage for variety of reasons spring glover that was her name spring glover and then the rest uh talk about how much the family suffers through it all the pain uh the surgeries 
Uh, Jim McMahon says how he was actually still on Percocets for about five years after he retired. And then and then for like two minutes, this becomes the most vice thing in the world. Yeah, because freaking because like obviously post career freaking chronic injury leads to a harsh family life because like these dudes have been constantly like their lives have just been like in the NFL and now have to deal with like what's like to be at home and like they're not used to it and they're very bitchy because now they also like have as much drug resources and they're yeah. just like on pain and then their CTE where like their brains become mush and they come fucking whack out and like yeah family life's harsh but then fucking yeah cause after like Jim McMahon talks about taking 30 perks a day fucking perk yeah. a- <laughs> fucking perk angle over here <laughs> Oh, that's that's yeah, fucked that's up, fucking, but that's a good one. Oh, dude, no, I've saw a fucking Facebook group called Perk Angle, and it's mostly memes of Kurt Angle doing Percocets. Oh man, it's I fucked up. See that, but that's fucked. Yeah, yeah, but then we have the most he vice thing because now they start talking about like the like it's like like well after doing all these harsh drugs, the only thing that kind of helps with like the stuff was start doing cannabis and marijuana. This is the part where it gets it where it's super and when vice. It's like, we can say it's like oh yeah, we could talk about, it. but this turns into like how vice pushes marijuana in your fucking face no they do because like you go on their youtube page half the videos are about talking about how dope cannabis is yes and like advocating for it and yes. they do they, they this, this turns into like what was dark side of football into your usual vice article this literally for a moment this was the most like scathing towards the nfl the documentary got because they talk about weed and how the nfl hates it and they talk about ricky williams and how he was suspended for smoking weed and i think it was and i think didn't like recreation Use. I don't know if he had like that fucking he had his like great it had his freaking car his like freaking medical card and stuff yeah. too. But since the NFL is like, oh weed's bad, you can't be doing And I think weed. it was one of the but new- Mike Weed's like, <laughs> but no, go do Oxycontin and Percocets. And yeah. I think it was one but of the weed's uh, bad, but Oxycontin <laughs> Percocet's good. It's like, no, one fucks you up way more. And I th- and I think it was one of the newscasters for Fox Sports straight up said, Yeah, if he had done pills, the NF the NFL wouldn't have cared. They would have actually been fine with it, but then they didn't like weed, and I think they said i think he might have someone said the nfl was old-fashioned and yeah jim mcmahon kyle and kyle's wife were talking about it and they, they they're literally just telling you like yeah it's like a no-brainer weed is just you know it's, it's just a better alternative and then it goes back to the to playing with pain but it turned into a fucking recreational cannabis uh advocate yeah no and then now forget because yeah bro i just wrote down bro the fucking cannabis switch because now <laughs> we have kyle talk about people's last days and all their yeah. like basically like last days of playing nfl because after all the time you put in you just end up at your locker room all your shit's just thrown into a box and then the next like person's names on the locker room is like all right you're done yeah it's pretty callous yeah it's just like oh so this is just how it ends cool i guess and and then the fucking talks of post career depression, which I like talked about earlier. Yeah, and I talk, and I mentioned this last time because I, I I guess retired football players are like are like fucking like war veterans, actual war veterans in the sense that you know post career depression, don't know how to adjust to regular society and shit. So Mike Ditka started a kind of charity for them called Gridiron Greats. They talk about how the only way, um, or, you know, which helps, uh, which literally helps retired football guys get work, find stable housing, uh, you know, readjust society. I think even get them clean and stuff. Yeah, because there was an issue of like a lot of like these dudes that make huge amounts of money in the NFL never yeah. really properly use that money to like up their financial IQ and invest it. Just basically go fucking hella broke and shit. Yeah. 
And basically, because they earn the money, but they aren't using that money to work for themselves. So friggin' yeah. But Gridiron Greats is able to help those fucking post players and stuff too, because it was an issue for a while. Like all these like ex players just basically are just a fucking mess. It's like you're a glorious gladiator. Now you're just some dirtbag on some giant dirtbag on the streets. It's kind of like, did any of you guys ever see Mickey Rourke and the wrestler? It's a lot like that. Well, Mickey Rourke and a wrestler is is based off the person we're going to be talking about next, fucking Jake the Snake Roberts. So like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, it's all dark talk from here. There is no like, like, yeah, I need to um, take a break. Yeah, I need to preface, by the way, with this Jake the Snake bit coming up here. Um. Well, I guess there was a little bit of the dark side of the ring. They, they, uh, dark side of football, they end, uh, talking about how, you know, there's like team psychologists and like health people now and things are basically better. Um, but the problems aren't like really going away, but yeah, there are better, like, yeah, no, cause NFL now. has like actual pain management experts and the mental health yeah. staff, but literally kind of ends off where Jim McMahon's ass. So what do you think? So you like, so do you feel sad not playing football anymore? It's like, Fuck no. I like my po- I like not playing football anymore. Yeah. Life rules. I don't have to do that shit. And DeQuil Jackson's like, you know what? I'm fine without the NFL too. Yeah. I guess it makes sense they were like war vets. I mean, they fucking spent that goddamn Bill Belichick documentary every five minutes talking about how it's a war. Yeah, I don't like getting my wrist injured and then also getting my kidney half my kidney chewed off. <laughs> that would suck. I like <laughs> I think life is I think hanging around smoking Shoot weed. Off. Yeah, freaking like hanging out, smoking weed and relaxing sounds pretty chill instead of just getting beat up by these big beefy men. Speaking of recreational weed and and kill switch engaged, did you know that uh, that Jesse and Howard uh, are like they used to be straight edge, but they're total like weed bros? I read about that on their I read about that on their Wikipedia page. They uh, they smoke cannabis together. Wait, Jesse and Jesse, Jesse and Howard. Oh, okay. I was like, Jesse, the two singers for the people that don't know. Yes, Howard. Well, dude, Howard Jones is like that dude went through a fucking mental break. Oh my god, because he yeah. was like, I listened to he the eventually new- realized, dude, tour life sucks. Yeah, I'm like hanging out and just singing. That and uh, he uh, he had to manage his diabetes too. Oh yeah, Brett Michaels. <laughs> oh, fall. I I should kick you in the dick for putting those two together. Howard Jones is a treasure but yeah the jesse and howard smoke weed together and it's it's great it's well it's funny to think about all right listeners listen uh, to the new light the torch album came out yesterday which is howard jones's uh yeah i know yeah howard jones got a lot of shit going on they right did now. a cover of that one like old song where it's like sign your name across my heart I want you to be my lady, but it's Howard Jones. So it's like, sign your name across my heart. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, <clears throat> coming off post friggin' Dr. Death Danger fucking karaoke. We're going to take a quick <laughs> piss break and we're going to come into fucking dark side of the ring. All right, listeners, we'll be back. All right, listeners, we're back. Forget it. Hopefully, we can hammer this out in 30 minutes because I have lightning it. round. Lightning round because life is pain, life is miserable, and freaking everything sucks. And fucking now we're about to talk about a pedophilic piece of shit known as fucking Grizzly Smith. Yeah. This is what this episode of Dark Side of Ring was about. I was going to say, like, this entire episode that they did is fucked up. And uh, yeah, it's like. You know, I mean, we we don't usually like try to make too light of things, anyway. But like, th- th- this is 
Yeah, I, I just I just wanted to tell y'all that. Uh, oh God, I said y'all on ironic. Y'all, I wanted to tell you all that. Uh, you know, we're going to treat this with. Uh, the respect it deserves. It probably won't sound like it because we're going to rush it. You know, when we did the Sorry. last episode, we had more time to articulate things. Yeah, but, but life is pain. Life sucks. And <laughs> fucking we're always on a time crunch. Fuck everything. So long story short to set this up. Jake, the snake Roberts has had a very, very hard life. I would say beyond hard. I say fucking sometimes peer levels of shit. Yes. So this episode opens up and um, with an open advisory talking about incest and sexual abuse in this episode. Yeah. Which that made my stomach. There's some shit they talk about in this that made my stomach churn more than the Nick Gage one. And, and that one got pretty gnarly, but that was just violence. See, that was just violent and gory. This is, uh, you know, pedophilic shit. And yeah, no, I don't enjoy that. And, and I hope yes. you don't either. And listeners, I hope you don't. And if you do, um. Don't Please don't listen to our podcast. Yeah, I don't have positive things to say. So the opening, um, they talk about Jay, about Jake and his siblings and how you know they were pretty much almost all wrestlers except for like one, uh, one or two, and uh, they weren't and believe and I believe aren't like all that close right now. Jim Cornette on because he's in all of these. He mentioned he 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 lingers them to folks like the Hearts and the Von Ericks, how they were a wrestling family. But unlike the Von Ericks and the Hearts, they weren't like a unified thing. They were their own. You know, they were their own. Like, like they're a wrestling family, people. but no yeah. one, no one, no one in the public knew they were a wrestling family. It was like known the behind people, the scenes. Obviously, yeah, like people in the business knew that. Like they were a wrestling family, the friggin' the Smith family. As we we're introduced to, like. Sorry, we're just going to hammer it through quick. We meet Michael Smith, who yeah. was Sam Houston, and Robin Smith, who was Rock, Rock and, Robin. and Robin. A very good woman's wrestler. And then we also meet Richard Neighbor, Na- Neighbors. Neighbors, right? Yeah. yeah, it was like N-A-B-O-R-S. I'm like, wait, like Neighbors? As Unless it's like Nabors or something. Nabors. I'm pretty sure it's Neighbors. Whatever, meet Richard and ask, and basically he's a... Friggin', he's a brother. He's like the second oldest, I'm guessing. I'm trying to think remember. So. And is asked why he didn't wrestle because he didn't like to travel and thought everything like that lifestyle was just a rat race and not worth not worth doing. Which is fair. So then uh he mentions how he feels Jake likes the limelight. Cornette talks about how <clears throat> how though and everyone knows this, but they still cover it, uh how you know Jake the Snake Roberts was not a premier athlete, but he was a master at uh, in ring psychology. And talking and, and talking. He was a yeah. compelling character. Robin feels He wasn't flips, bro. He <laughs> just stared dude, he get people. He going, was literally no flips, just fists. Bro, he could make money by staring. Yeah, like, he's got a like, cold hard like, stare. Like geeks have to like deuce of like unnecessary bullshit jake just appears looking gross and stares and like <laughs> take my money bro like you just look at this you money. look at this man and you're like has he killed someone because he looks like he's killed someone he's done some dark shit as we we're about to talk about robin mentions she feels like in their youth jake kind of shadowed their dad around jake said that uh, grizzly his father's name's grizzly adams he did not want jake to be a wrestler in fact this guy got jake fired from a few places a few times uh, told him and and literally this is like some evil shit out of like a show or something he literally told jake that he'll never amount to anything as a wrestler i'm like fuck bro <laughs> and he's like yeah that's i just want to hear from my dad 
thank you. Yeah. Thank he you. Was, I he feel literally so says proud. he's motivated that by the fact that his dad never told him he was proud of him. And also, Jake, we, we kind of skipped past it, but Jake also introduced his real name. Oh, it, yeah. Like, Jake Roberts is not his real name, but like, yeah. that's what everyone knows. His real name is Aurelian Smith Jr. Yeah. So I presume his dad was named Aurelian Smith. I think so. I just always knew him as Grizzly Adams. But yes, Aurelian Smith, but I mean, bro, it's, it's, it's Jake. It's Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake. Robin said their dad got into wrestling because basically he worked at an oil field and literally he knew, knew who this person knew a guy who also knew a guy and that's where it got started. And he was such a brick shithouse that what he used to do was he used to- Like Friday uh, nights. Yeah. After dudes got paid, dudes would come up and give them cash and it's like, all right, I'm going to punch you in the stomach really hard and freaking you give me money if we like you like keel over and he had an iron stomach and no one could really like punch him hard enough to like have him like bend over so. brick shit house this man was yes they talk about how uh seeing him wrestle for like uh th- what it was like for the kids to see him wrestle for like a minute then we then from here on we jump immediately straight into how much of a piece of shit this grizzly adams was he would um one of the fucked up things he would do that uh really uh, drew Jake's ire was he would sell storylines and injuries at home. Like if he was, to his parent, yeah, like yeah. to his kids, he'd be literally telling him like, Oh yeah, they're after me and stuff too. They're going to come and whip my ass. Or he'd come with like, uh, like casts around his neck and shit and like pretending he was all banged up and injured. And like, he didn't tell the kids that like, Pro wrestling is like fake and like they're all worried for their dad's safety while his dad's just like Grizzly Smith's just laughing at it like ha ha look at you fucking geeks. And so in the mid 70s. You um, fucking marks. So in the mid 70s at this point he retires and he transitions to a backstage role kind of thing. Cornette says at, at this point, Grizzly uh, Jim Cornette himself had been in the wrestling business for a little bit at this point, and he remembered uh, how other guys would trash talk Grizzly, but it wasn't like how like most usually would, you know, be like sly or underhanded. These guys would say some shit, mostly making remarks about him and young girls. Oh, hey, not young that- women. Young girls. Hey, is Grizzly working with that uh, younger talent back there? Hey, what's he up to? Yeah, shit like that. And then, uh, and when this uh, happened, uh, this made me smile. We get uh, Nicola Bird on, a.k.a. Baby Doll, who if, you, if, Baby you're, doll! if you're a fan of Ric Flair lore. You, were, you dare that, Baby Doll, you, I dare you to come down the war game with Ric Flair and dare do what you did to me last time. Baby doll, <laughs> baby dolls. Great. It's hard not to like do a dusty impression, yelling out at baby doll. See, I'm more, I'm more associate baby doll with Ric Flair just because he was well, so Rick Flair obsessed was be- with her. Well, Ric Flair also beating up freaking like Dusty and then <laughs> yeah, Baby Doll. Exactly. Um, but yeah, she talks about um, how he was a guy that people wanted to, you know, be around and uh, Grizzly Adams and pick his brain about the business. She was married to uh, Sam Houston. She mentioned that uh, one time she was on road trips with him or times when she'd be on road trips and Grizzly would like pick up 13, 14 year old girls in the vehicle. But like the parents would like be seemingly cool with it. So and years later, she found out that, you know, there was some not good things that were that were happening and just. 
mm, it do, it doesn't uh, it doesn't leave a good feeling in the stomach. Yeah, no, because like freaking they'll be traveling and stuff, and like I'm sure you said Grizzly would be picking up these like going off the 13, path 14 year olds, but the and the parents seemed cool with it. Yeah, well, he seemed like oh he was like a cool dude, and it's like oh he's just like a nice guy we meet at the show. It's like hey, does your want like you want your young daughter to hang out with me as we're like traveling on the road for the weekends like. Yeah, you seem cool. Yeah, we'll go do it. And then freaking Baby Doll Center is like, didn't seem weird to me. The parents seem like they had their consent. The parents seem like he had their freaking parents' consent to take this little girl on the road with them. So I presume Baby Doll never saw any pedophilic shit. Like, she saw signs, yeah. but never really, like, put two and two together. And she, I think that's one of those things you never want to assume that about someone you know, you know? So it's, it's, it's. Yeah. So they talk about Jake's childhood. Bruh, traumatic is a fucking understatement. He talks about um he talks about Jake talks about like his in-ring personality. He he talks about Sorry, I'm gonna bu- break it on muds. But this time it's all oh about God, business, James. Jack. Well, let's do it. You and I Friday night, Daddy, at the Fulton County Stadium. <laughs> the great American bank. Dusty rides on the edge of a lightning bolt with a silver saddle, Daddy. Now you come on down there with your limousine and your horsemen. Bring your A-game. Yeah, it's Rick there, please. This is. It's time for you to meet your maker in the American dream. Dusty Rhodes is up for the challenge. I think the American dream's barking up the wrong tree. We'll see if your blood is as red as mine, Mr. Flares. We will find out indeed, sir. That's Mr. right, find out in Flint. You a yellow dog. You hung your phone up on me. May I take a message? Yes. Tell him this is Big Dust, the American dream. Big Dust, the American Dream. Yes, ma'am. Are you a friend of his? More of a nemesis, I guess you could say. <laughs> Are you Bob Kleepak's friend? I do not know who this Kleepak fella is. All I know is that the other night when Rick hit me from behind, I saw where the line was drawn, and now. Friday night at Starkey! My sex! Hey! Where did you go, baby doll? That bicycle! He's got a bicycle! What the fuck is that? Some dude doing fuck. Some radio dude doing prank calls with fucking uh, Dusty Rhodes. Voice. Move over, John Cena prank call. Yeah, I know, but fucking it was hilarious because <laughs> he's like, "Baby, no, I got a bicycle." So back to Jake the Snake Roberts' fucked up childhood. Yes, where are we at? Jake starts. <laughs> oh, I need to. <clears throat> Need a restart. Jake, Jake starts talking about like his in-ring personality, and it's really weird. He does he, like so he goes by Jake the Snake like all the time, right? But he talks about his Jake the Snake character and about he himself, Aurelian Smith. But he doesn't talk it like he doesn't talk like oh I'm Aurelian Smith and this is my character Jake the Snake. He he talks like Jake the Snake Roberts and Aurelian Smith are two different people. He, said, he describes it like. Jake the, Jake the Snake is a mean son of a bitch. The opposite of Aurelian. Aurelian Smith is scared, broken. Jake is mean and tough, but I get along with Jake now. I didn't for a long time. And it's just like... Fuck, bro. Fuck. Like, it's so... Even when he's he, like he's not cutting a promo, but the way he talks is how he cuts his promos. And it's just... I'm just... I'm watching... And the thing is, I mentioned this last time... He makes direct, he doesn't break eye contact with the center of the camera once. He is bearing into your soul. 
burying in your soul. So then uh, he talks about his mother and how when he was born, she was 13. Yeah, when he was born. Years old. What the fuck? When he was born. And it haunts him knowing that, oh, my dad's a fucking pedophile. He literally says, my father was a pedophile. And it's just like, fuck. So obviously at one moment, his friggin' like, like his mom, his original mom and his dad split. So, and then he was living with his grandma until he was 11. Yeah. Then he had to move in with his dad because something happened with grandma. I can't remember. And he was still- I think she just passed. Yeah, I didn't write that down, but friggin' let's say grandma passed, and then basically he was stoked. I was like, oh, wait, I get to live with dad? Dude, that's so cool. I would like to have a dad. And then he, like, stoked on the idea, but then he friggin' meets his, like, you know, second wife and stuff, and they're hanging out, and friggin' Grizzly Smith's second wife started doing fucking pedo games on fucking Jake, on old Jake. A young 11 or 13 year old Jake. And what the fuck? And he would go tell his dad about it. It's like, oh, really? Oh, dang. But then friggin' He would relay that to, to his fucking like second wife and then she would go beat the shit out of Jake's ass for fucking t- like snitching on her. Yeah. And or Grizzly Smith told her to go beat his ass for fucking like like talking about that talking to talking about that shit so yeah and jake said something to the effect of like it's one thing to be like coerced or forced in the sex but then it's another thing to get your ass kicked for it yeah it's like I'm, yeah you're stuck think, forced doing something you don't want to do and then you get your ass beat and i think that a little bit before this uh robin goes into detail about the first time uh her uh, uh, grizzly like groomed her groomed her and like she was eight she years old she, yeah she uh, like it's not like super super explicit like what she we talks about like she's but not- she goes into enough detail where it's just like fuck man fuck and like here's the thing like J- when jake talks about some of this stuff he's like barely holding it together like you could tell this guy just wants to cry this robin chick this robin smith is like a she, she she's a fucking just terminator dude she's a she's terminator she's she's a, she's a mountain of a woman she's composed she's looking steel and you could tell it's a little rough for her but she like never breaks her compose like i'm not trying to like downplay jake the snake but like dude that's a she's a fucking strong ass woman yeah real strong woman and just Oh my god! Basically, yeah, when she got grew because like freaking her dad played mental games on her, where he didn't really interact with her for fucking yeah, he months. like ignored her for like yeah for a long time. And just then just one day, at, bro, asked her to like come into the freaking office and told her like freaking hey, daddy loves you, and she's all stoked like oh thank god, I thought you didn't like me or anything. But then he started like freaking touching her inappropriately and fuck. And then she said she dealt with that crap from the age of eight to fourteen, and so we had to deal with that when she was dealing with Six that inappropriate crap. Years, man. Yeah. Fuck this Grizzly Adams. And then freaking she like the interviewers tell her about Jake dealing with the shit from her from her biological mom, yeah. and she believed that her dad made her mom do that shit to Jake. Yeah, she believed that. She believed that her mom wouldn't have been capable of that stuff. Like she didn't say Jake. She didn't say she thought Jake was lying, but she thought if something like that happened, then because uh, she had a good relationship with her mom, so she felt that if something like that was happening, then um, it was because their dad like made her do it, basically. So um, she eventually like meets her. Um, Meets another sister of hers. Uh, it's an older sister, I think. Yeah, because now we meet Jolyn. Jolyn, yeah. And then they talk about just one day out of the blue, Jolyn appears. 
she meets up with Robin and then it's like, hey, you want to go hang out at the friggin' mall? And it's like, yeah, sure. So they're hanging out at the mall in the food court. And then she starts like asking questions, like concerning questions like, hey, do you feel safe? Do you feel like you're being watched? Do you feel like friggin' any, like all that stuff? And Robin's like, I feel fine. Are you okay? It's like, mm, yeah, I'm feeling all right. And then right before commercial, they say, oh, yeah, Jolene got kidnapped. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Then a man named Carl Gage, Carl Buzz Gage. Okay, Carl Gage is pretty sick, dude. Sixty nine years old. Huh. Uh, Brad, he nice. was a he was a sheriff for you know the town they lived in, and he remembered when this had all happened. Uh, he you know he he was a typical thing. You know he was surprised. This stuff didn't usually happen in that area. Um, it's a pretty quiet neighborhood. Yeah, they went to. Um, I think he was paroling. He was just like on patrol, and he got waved down by the friggin' trailer like manager and stuff at a trailer yeah. park, and then was like friggin' because he got flagged down and just found out there was a kidnapping. He gets in the trailer, he finds out that a friggin' uh, that the baby's there, and then finds like friggin' uh, like threatening letters towards Jolin's yes. husband, uh, like from Jolin's husband's ex-wife yes and she's convinced that the kidnapping no no because then like freaking uh, they eventually find her Jolin's husband's ex-wife and then basically they're convinced that freaking she kidnapped her and stuff too but she also said like they can't find Jolin she said she, that Jolin escaped but then like some freaking psychic lady appears to freaking like say some bullshit and then the cops are looking down wells and stuff but freaking yeah, they never they never were able to find Jolin's body, which we also kind of skipped over when the kids found out that Jolin got kidnapped. It's like they're all that's hang- one of the things that catapulted Jake into his uh, drug spiral. Yeah, yeah, because they're all hanging out at the skating rink, enjoying themselves, and they get a phone call from over the PA, and that's when they got the news that their friggin' big sister Jolin got fucking kidnapped. So it's like fuck, bro, and um. Carl uh, Buzz uh, says that um, the crazy woman that they caught, you know, uh, Jolin's husband's ex, she um, she confessed that she uh, captured that she, you know, kidnapped Joe, but said that Jolin escaped. Um, like you said, never found her. Uh, he then says that the woman that did the kidnapping, she got 33 years, but he thinks she only served seven. Um Oh, and then and then the documentary mentioned something about uh, Jolin being put in and possibly being put in an well, incinerator. Well, here's the thing, because there's a there's a thing about this thing. There was another person there that helped this lady kidnap Jolin, mm-hmm. but whatever. So basically, at the trial, the kidnapping was the only time Grizzly Smith missed the match. And then at the trial, Grizzly Smith had a fucking piano wire fucking choker ready to kill this friggin' uh, kill this lady and stuff. But it didn't happen because there was so much security and like freaking um, didn't have the chance. But then freaking Carl believes that Jolin might have been thrown into an incinerator because I think freaking can't remember if one of the persons worked at, like worked at a freaking like mortuary. But I thought so. But that's speculation. That's some speculation. Not Robin. Shra- Robin straight up says she feels like she feels like Grizzly potentially. Uh, got her killed because uh, the idea is that Jolin was potentially going to expose um, Grizzly Adams and his fucking pedophilic shit. But yeah, Robin speculate Grizzly might have organized it. Richard wanted to go to Unsolved Mysteries, but Grizzly dismissed it. Richard notes that never seen Grizzly mourn. O- Richard like notes that he's never really saw Grizzly mourn over the death of Jolin. So yeah. that could be something. But that's all up in speculation. Let the viewer like yeah. Kind of like think like think on that one. Did Grizzly kill Jolin? 
did he organize this? Jolin was a big lady. I don't think one lady could take her down and stuff no. too. This there was a second person there. There's a lot into this, and then I recommend go checking out the podcast of the dudes with Conrad talking about this episode. They go into some solid detail about that. Some speculating that Jolin might still be alive to this day. Which is kind of weird, though, because it's like, if she's still alive, then why would she stay hidden? Especially, like, her dad's secrets are out in the open. There's There can't be anyone still after so, her. So, I have a feeling she's more dead than alive. Man, But we talked about this more in the fucking deleted per- version of this episode, because my shit got fucking jacked. So, yeah, so, fuck the motherfucker that did that. So, back from commercial, they start asking Jake what he, uh, what from his childhood he put into his, his, you know, his wrestling persona. He says, uh, the hate, which I forgot to say this on camera last time, but I remember listening to an interview. On camera? <laughs> fuck. On, on, on audio. Um, I remember listening to an interview with Jake once and he was, they were talking to him about, uh, you know, they were talking to him about like how he's so good at cutting his promos and stuff, you know, and how he's, you know, so good at being the heel. And he literally said, he said, um, he, he, he likened it to acting because he said, um, he said, one of the first things an abused child learns how to do is lie. Just shit like that. And it's like, God damn. God damn. Um, Robin recalls trained to wrestle. She wanted the women's matches to be just as exciting as the guys and recalls Vince McMahon was extremely impressed with her and he hired. And at one point, um, they had all the Smith children hired, even the, you know, Robin, Jake and Sam Houston. Yep. And then Cornette talks about Sam Houston. Great worker, but since to his size and stuff, he was mostly to the jobber role, but he made good money. But here's the thing about Sam Houston that they started talking about. He was an extreme alcoholic. He was fucking crazy with the alcoholism. Baby doll, recall, don't. I'm not doing it. Okay. Because last time we did this, last time we did this, every time I said baby doll, he did the baby doll. So I'm glad, baby doll. I'm glad you got it out. I'm glad you got baby it out. Baby doll. Your, I'm glad you got it out I of your system earlier. How dare you hit me for Ric Flair? Okay, now I'm, I'm glad. your horseman. Okay, now I'm glad you got it out of your system. Yeah, she recalls. Sorry, my tongue twitch. It's hard not to go <laughs> dusty, baby doll. Baby doll recalls the alcoholism that um, you know Mike went through. Robin said the whole family struggled with various addictions in one way, in one form or another. And uh, they talk about it a little. They'll talk about it a little later, so we'll get to it when they get to it. But yeah, Mike had alcoholism pretty bad. They talk. Robin talks about one day she was paid a visit by Grizzly Adams who in tow with him had a nine-year-old girl. And was like, wait, what the fuck? And Grizzly asked her to make the girl a daiquiri, which is an alcoholic drink, by the way. Hey, can you make this little girl a daiquiri? I'm going to go hang out and crash out. So the little girl, Robin asked a girl's que- the girl questions, you know, the kind of questions she knew to ask, like about safety. Does he do this? Does he do that? And... Basically, she saved the girl from Grizzly. The next yeah. morning, he tried to leave. It's like, and all right, little girl, come with me. And Robin said, no, she's staying here. No, she's coming with me. Uh, you Gri- can eat shit. And Grizzly was just basically like, hmm. Okay. Then. And then walked out. Well, what was he going to do? He's just going to make a bigger issue? Yeah, exactly. It's like, he knows she knows. So 
So now the documentary focuses on, now they really go on the addiction aspect. This is when we get to Sam Houston. At one point in his life, he had the record. The uh, all-time DOI Texas record. For the whole state. Yes. Being Grizzly's son, and because wrestling is taken a little more serious back there in the South, he was able to get off easy because of his influence. So yes. every time he got arrested, he was able to bail him out. Well, one day, apparently Mothers Against Drunk Driving got a hold of his record because I guess you can just do that. And the fact they were able to find out that Grizzly bailed him out all the time. So yeah, no, then so- they're like, okay, Grizzly, uh, sorry, Sam Houston, you're getting 30 years in prison, buddy. Yeah, and, he and was, nothing that your pops can do. And he was like, okay. And then he tries to uh, commit suicide by hanging. In jail. And he's like, Sinner's like, all right, if I live, only God can stop me. And... Spoiler alert, he lives. Yes, he does live. Yeah, because like freaking he knows how to t- he said he knows how to tie a knot, but the knot broke on him and he yeah. freaking jumped and hit on hit the freaking floor with the palm of his feet hella hard where they were bruised for a minute. Which I've had that happen before. That sucks. Yes. Now the documentary is uh <coughs> excuse me. Uh, well, now, here's now the we're thing. talking about uh, Jake's addiction. Yeah, now we go in the fucking spark notes of Jake's addiction. Jim Cornette says in an industry where addictions are really common, Jake stood out because his addictions were fucking bananas. Yes, and would like appear on um, forget in the public and stuff because basically, yeah, Jake's addiction, the guy that should be dead, isn't. Yeah. He says cocaine was his number one in life. He said it was more than alcohol. More than than sex. sex. It was cocaine. It was cocaine. Uh, Jim Cornette called Jake the Keith Richards of wrestling. Yes. And where he's talking about freaky shit, the freaking freaky sex shit he did because there was a point where like under cocaine, his uh, friggin' what like got him off kind of started changing a little bit. It wasn't just one lady. Well, he's getting popular, so he's then like he's able to get pretty chicks. He's able to do pretty chicks at multiple to- at like multiple chicks at once and stuff. But then he starts talking about freaky shit where there's a fucking donkey and he's just hanging out with a friggin' lamp over his head and stuff. Yeah. I think the less known about that, the better. Yes. Which then they do a fucking like shot of heroes at wrestling, which is oh one, my of the, God, yeah. one of the most like documented, like Jake the Snake, like free and train wreck. And for moments. any wrestling fans, you may be like, wait, what the hell is heroes of wrestling? Ahem. Ahem. You want to play 21? I got 22. You want to play blackjack? I got 22 of those too. Yeah. And he's just, I feel so bad laughing at this because he was because like anytime i ever watched it i was like okay i know he's going through addictions but, but this, this is, is too funny. really funny but because they showed it in the context of this documentary after all the grizzly adams shit after all the addiction shit like i still laugh but now i feel really really bad about it retroactively i got, I got 21 i got 20 he was like having damien the snake between his legs and he was stroking it like a big cock yeah and he would be like taking random chicks in the front row to rub his fucking titties and shit yeah his dad bod man boobs yeah this guy was oh out of his God. mind so uh, well heroes of wrestling is one of the most well documented moments of like jake the it State. doesn't help that it's a shit show either oh yeah, yeah it was a fucking horrible show but then we um so then they talk really quick um robin retires in the early 90s 
uh, because unfortunately uh, she got told by someone that WWF was phasing out their women's division. Hey, she has the old. She still ha- like she was the last yeah, one right. to have the old school title, and she keeps a hold of that. Like she got, she was living in freaking Louisiana and got nailed by Hurricane Katrina, but she was and like all her <laughs> shit got fucking washed up and destroyed. Except she was able to get the her shoes and that fucking title with her out That's of the so out cool. of the friggin' wreckage. Oh shit. Oh, he dropped his phone. Oh, God. You know, she deserves it. You got 21, I got 22. Oh, my God. Yeah, come come rub my man boobs, James. <laughs> so, oh, so, no. so Grizzly. Wrong di- podcast. You should have done it last time. Actually, no, you shouldn't have because it was two in the morning. It was a fucking mess. I, bro, I don't even think. I'm, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty like, sure. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been able to like save that we're podcast. We're fucking dead. Yeah, no, we're fucking dead. But the story still holds himself. You can like it'll never not be entertaining hearing a good friend talking about him just like accidentally fucking splooging all over his fucking bed by accident. Oh, did he tell that story where he come, he came on his backpack? Why don't you go <laughs> listen to the Comcast yourself? And then but you it almost here. sounds like it sucks. Actually, it doesn't suck. Okay, that's I just cool. remember it was sucked to do, and it was just awkward compared to like our usual thing. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, you don't hear fucking one of the boys going like, "Oh, it's twenty minutes." In. Oh, can we wrap this up? <laughs> no. And then once we're done, freaking someone steals the fucking outro from me since I'm the host, and he's like, "I'll do this." I'm like, "Okay, fuck. What do I say now?" Well, thank you for stealing the fucking outro. They asshole. stole. They stole the outro. Yeah, one. Yeah, one of the fucking nerds stole the outro out of me. You can go listen to Comcast yourself. Oh my god! It was like, oh, okay then. I guess we are done. Cool, bro. You do the sign offs. That's that's how it works. I'm the whole. Yeah, but you, this do, you fucking do you do geek. the sign offs, and I say adios, and then you know the that music plays. Yeah. Bow, wow, bow, Whatever. Wow, fuck. Wow. Yeah, I know. But uh, good so, thing the good friends won't li- listen to this podcast because they don't listen to our podcast. Ha ha. But you listen to our podcast, you random couple cool viewers. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so to wrap things yes. up. Um, so Grizzly dies in 2010. His son Richard is the only one that really gives a shit that he's dead. Yeah, because he was like the like he was basically his caretaker yeah. in his death and stuff, too. And like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. But Richard's like. He's my only like dad, so I should take care of him. And, and it whatnot. sounds like it sounds like for the most part, he was good to him. I mean, he was the most distant, obviously, because he lives with someone else. But or he was put up for adoption. Uh, do, 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 do. So yeah, um, the siblings are still estranged, but they all of them express that they you know want to be closer. Rob and hopefully that this like doing this documentary and this coming yeah. out in the open, they feel like they can like become closer robin and jake specifically talk about how you know uh, what happened to them was horrible and they stress that you know you need to talk to someone or run or fight or something um and yeah and then and then then this is the part of the documentary that made me shed a couple tears i didn't full-on cry but i shed a couple but your soul was crying because you don't need to physically cry your soul can cry too because he was talking about how you know uh, he went through tough times but he, he said um he said you know and i'm celebrating 10 years of being sober and then this is the one time he breaks contact eye contact with the camera he like looks off to the side and gets this like this like smile on his face and he's like wow 10 years 
And it shows him like, cause it showed him like walking to an AEW event and he's like, he's like, I did it. And then uh, yeah, they show him at the event, he's got his arms up in the air, smiling like Rocky. Yeah. He and survived that, was that's a fucking so the shock. Last, the last 10 seconds of this film were, of this documentary were very uplifting because it's like, you know what? Those kids were put in situations that could have broke them forever, which it kind of did, or kill them, but they all survived. Like, yeah, and Sam Houston's trying to be a fucking country musician now. <laughs> oh, good for him. He should go by Sam Houston. He might get more buys out I of it. I think he is going by Sam Houston. You know, Robin was a good wrestler. She's got the belt. Jake is a legend in every way. And Richard got to live a normal life. So, mostly. So, uh, so it seems like they're, yeah. at, at least it sounds like they're at a better place than they've been so, in the past. You know, so that makes me think, you know, fuck you, Grizzly Adams. You couldn't break them. Yeah, well, I don't know if his goal is to break No, them. I know it wasn't, but still. I he, think his goal is just to be a fucking piece of shit because he's a weird piece of shit. Grizzly Adams one of those people where it's like, you know, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, it's anyone's interpretation. Who knows what's real and what isn't? But like, if hell's real, I really, really hope he's there. Yeah, I hope so, too. All right. We fucking did it. It's only 3.02. Thank yes. fucking God. Well, 3.02 at the time of this. I still weekend. feel kind of bad because this was a good dark side of football. And this was this okay. was the best dark side of the ring, maybe, of all this of them. One of the best ones, yes. And we did a better one, but I got fucking my shit jacked because fuck life. And then I have to run and do this. Yeah. And forget it. So next week. But you know what? We'll be back with Dynamite Kid. Yes. And the fucking Browns taking a shit. Yeah. And a Pearl Jam album. You know, I was going to say really quick, we could do oh, that. Oh, my daughter. We could. That's a different album, I think. We could do that. Or uh, I was listening to Guns N' Roses the other day and I was like, you know, they only have like five albums. We could do that after Pearl Jam. After Pearl Jam, okay. Let's cool. talk about more cool, next time. Because I wanna, I wanna have an excuse to shit talk Pearl Jam. It's kind of a meme. I don't actually like hate, hate, hate Pearl Jam, but sometimes I'm just but like, man, like, fuck Pearl Jam. I'm like, there's better bands I could listen to there than are better, Pearl Jam. There are better. I was gonna say there are better grunge bands, but Pearl Jam isn't a fucking grunge band. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, this is the Doctor at Danger Radio Show with your host James and I. Were have a good one. Adios.